Jesus, that's the truth in our hearts, Lord. If you could just come tonight and reveal yourself in just a greater way. Lord, it's the unveiling of God. We're living in the day of the fullness of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Lord, we're so blessed to be a part of your bride, to be called the sons and daughters of God. But Lord, we're asking tonight, Lord, we just want to know you a little more. Lord, we want you to come, Father, to take complete control, Lord. We've seen you now in the song service, Lord, the songs that were sung, how perfectly they fit, Lord, how your mind has been this weekend, Lord. We thank you, Father, for how you moved this morning on the hearts and minds of your people, Lord. Father, we pray again tonight, Lord, as we commit the service into your hands, may you take control tonight. Father, not just of the service, but of our lives. Father, we commit it all into your hands, and we love you so much. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Let's take our Bibles together. Amen. Is there a way we could turn this fan off, Brother Jared? That'd be all right. Thank you. Amen. Let's turn to the book of Isaiah, if you will, with me. Isaiah chapter 40. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. My song I had picked out for after the service was Come Magnify the Lord with Me. So it was a good song to start with and come out with. It couldn't have got any better, I thought, but then he chose the other song. Oh Lord, I want to know you more. Our subject tonight is the forgotten armor, and I, I want to take a subtitle of the power of prayer power of prayer. I had a different direction on my mind until about yesterday morning, and the Lord just came and 
put it this way. So we'll thank the Lord and trust it will be a blessing. Amen. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 26. We'll read a bit lengthy and then we'll allow you to sit down. It says, Lift up your eyes on high, and behold who hath created these things, and bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, and not one faileth. In other words, he has not once failed. He says, why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. Amen. It's not to say we don't search his understanding, but that we'll never be able to know the, or grasp the fullness of his understanding. It is so marvelous and eternal. And he says, he giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall utterly fall. Hallelujah. If you're a young man tonight and you feel like I just fall flat on my face over and over again, there's a scripture for you. Even the young man shall fall, but they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Amen. Let's turn also over to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We'll read there quickly before you're seated. We'll just read one verse. It's a familiar scripture to everyone that is here, I believe. Amen. Wasn't that a wonderful song, Sister Terry, Sister Julia? That was a birthday surprise for Sister Julia, wasn't it? She she did wonderful. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. It says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Amen. Amen. May the Lord have his blessing to the word. You may have your seats. Sorry, just trying to, the screen up here is glitching over and over. I don't know if that's all of them. It's all of them. All right. It's not just me. Okay. We're in this together. Amen. Amen. As we read the scripture here, I just want to take, if I could, uh, this, this subject here as I, I ministered it in Saskatchewan in, in the beginning of August, and I wasn't really expecting to come back to it anytime soon, but the Lord just turned my heart and confirmed it this morning, and and uh, really, as we, as we look into this, these scriptures, we know Ephesians chapter 6 very well and how it talks about the armor of God. Our Sunday school children in the middle age group have, have memorized this scripture and the different armor of God. And I know my son here can quote it all the way from, what is it, verse 10 all the way to verse 18. And he can quote it all off by heart. And that's wonderful. But you look down and you see the different 
uh, armors that he talks about, and it's easy to talk about the helmet of salvation and talk about the breastplate of righteousness and talk about the sword of the word and to talk about having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and talk about having your loins girt about with truth and, and having the, the shield of faith and, and having all of these armors. But if you count them up, you come to a number, which is the number of man, which is six. You end up with six different pieces of armor that, that goes together. But Brother Branham would say that the armor of God is supernatural. All of the armor of God is a supernatural armor. It's not a natural thing. And if you look at this in the number of men and in the number of six, there's a part of it that we have to play. And there's a part of it that we put together. And all of these things that a man himself can come to a knowledge of the word. A man himself can have a, have a level of his own faith. But when our faith, as we heard this morning, and we know Brother Branham preached, when our faith runs out, then God's faith takes over. But we can have a level of our own faith and we can consider that the armor of God and put that on as our own. We can put on our own righteousness and say, well, I've lived right and I've done right. But, but the Bible says that before God is as filthy rags. But all of these things can be mimicked to a certain degree and a certain level. But there's something about the seventh armor that can't be done just by a man because it's a supernatural thing. And that's to pray always and pray in the spirit. Not just prayer, not just saying nice prayer, and not repeating prayers, but to pray with all and supplication. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit is something that can't be done just in itself. It requires an entering in. It requires a preparation. It requires getting beyond yourself. It requires getting alone with God and allowing Him to minister unto you and you to minister unto Him. And tonight we want to speak on this because often it is spoken on the sixth, but this really is the seventh armor, and it is the completion of the armor of God. And that is that you, the other ones, I'll say, don't work as effectively as they ought to without the seventh. Without having a prayer life, the Word of God is not as effective as it should be. Without having a prayer life, your faith is not what it ought to be. Without having a prayer life, all of these other things, they don't, they don't have the effectiveness that God intended them to have in the Christian life. And Brother Branham would talk about in the message indictment, he would talk about why, uh, how someone could preach false doctrine, such as being baptized in the titles of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And he, he would talk about in a certain way, and I believe it also applies to how any people can propagate false doctrine and, 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 and pressure others with it and try and push out and say, well, this is the truth. And we can do it in the message where we will propagate, someone can propagate a false doctrine and begin to push it out as though this is true. But Brother Branham says, how can these things happen? He says, now, what, the, what did they do? They didn't know it. Today, men walk ignorantly. I'm not saying they don't know the scripture or they don't know the message, or they can't put two and two together. But there's something that goes beyond that. He says they don't know that's the truth. He says they think it's some kind of ism. They don't dig down deep enough to get into the spirit of revelation. Amen. So here he begins to talk about how can someone propagate false doctrine because they didn't have a prayer life. They didn't dig down deep enough to get into the spirit of revelation. It's not saying they didn't pray, but it's saying they didn't get into a place where it's them and God alone, and they know that it's true. The new birth, as we know, is, is the personal revelation of Jesus Christ to you. It's God has made himself real to you on a personal level, and that cannot be done without a prayer life. 
It has to be in such a way that you can have a, a, a relationship with him. In case you haven't noticed, Jesus is not here in his corporal body. You can't walk up to him and ask him a question. William Branham is not here in his corporal body. You can't walk up to him and ask him a question and ask for a vision and ask for this or that or all those kinds of things. But rather, there is a personal relationship and God deals with an individual. Brother Ed used the quote last Sunday morning before the vote. He used it and I had it for this morning as well. What it is and what God wants to control the church. We want to elect men and officers to control the church. And we just had a vote and we can sit back now and say, okay, Brother Ed's got it in control. And the deacons got it in control. And the trustees, they got the finance. Praise God. We just can sit back and come to church on Sunday and come to church on Wednesday. Everything's taken care of. Praise the Lord. We'll have some functions here. We'll have some of this there. No, but that's not how God desires to control the church. He didn't send it that way. God wants to control the individuals in the church by his Holy Spirit. And that can only be done by personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I trust you'll just stay with me this morning as I, or this evening as I do have a lot on my plate. And I, I want to just find the mind of the Lord. So you poll and we'll preach and we'll just let the Lord have his way. Amen. Little Branham says they didn't dig down deep enough to get into the spirit of revelation. He says they didn't pray enough. They don't call upon God enough. We know that they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Amen. But that requires a patience, a waiting on the Lord. Wait patiently, Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 10. Wait patiently after you have performed the will of God. Hallelujah. He says they just take it lightly. Say, oh, I believe there's a God. Sure, the devil believes the same thing. The devil believes it more than some people claim to believe it because the devil believes it and trembles. People often just believe it and go on, and the devils tremble knowing that his judgment is coming, and people believe it and don't pay no attention to the judgment that is coming. Oh, my. I want to you turn with me for a minute to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, this is Jesus here in the Garden of Gethsemane. As I begin to, to ponder on these thoughts again in this afternoon, just praying and saying, Lord, really, I feel like I'm preaching this to myself. So if it blesses you, wonderful. But I, I really begin to search myself this afternoon and say, Lord, do I pray enough? Do I spend enough time with you? Luke chapter 22 and verse 39, as Jesus begins to come is looking towards the cross, really. And he says, and he came out and went as he, as he want and to the, to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples also followed him. And when he was to a place, he said unto them, pray that you enter not into temptation. It wasn't just that he was going out to pray, but he began to instruct his disciples, you pray. You pray that you don't enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and knelt down and prayed saying, Father, if it be, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So it's, it's amazing the prophet would instruct us as much as he would tell us prayer changes things. And prayer can change the mind of God. But we ought not to pray to change God's mind. We ought to pray to change our mind. 
to pray to say, Lord, help me to align with your word. And Jesus gives us this wonderful example where even facing the death of the cross begins to say, Lord, if it's possible, but not my will, let thy will be done. Amen. And there appeared an hour, there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Already the scripture begins to pay dividends. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Here we have a legit example where Jesus is praying and waiting on God. And what happens? An angel comes and begins to renew his strength for him to be able to endure the trials that lie ahead. Say, I don't know how I'm going to face tomorrow. I'm going to face it down on my knees today, and that will be sufficient for tomorrow because God will send an angel. God will send something power to give me strength for the day that lies ahead, for the week that lies ahead for the trial that he knows is coming. He knows how to prepare me for it. Hallelujah. It says, in being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. Oh, my. And sweats, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer, he come to his disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow and said unto him, why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Oh, my. Brother Branham would talk about in the message, Desperations. He said, brother, sister, if Jesus had to pray earnestly, how much more have we got to pray earnestly? If Jesus, God in flesh, had to pray earnestly, how much more are we finite human beings ought to pray the more earnestly. If Christ, oh my, if he had to pray that way, how much more are we sinners saved by grace? If the decision, if that decision throw the Son of God into despair, what will it do to you and I? Desperately we must cry. We all face decisions in life. We all face choices. We all face problems in life. We all face things in our life that require prayer. And not just saying a prayer, but I mean getting along with God and dying out to ourselves and allowing the Lord to move in on our behalf and allowing him to take control of a situation. Prayer often is for us to die. It's for us to have fellowship with the Holy Ghost that is within us to know what his will is and to allow him to work out through us. If I could take a natural type here for a moment. Sometimes the, the best weapon in carnal warfare, or almost well, all the time, in, the best weapon in warfare is a sharp mind. You can be the best trained in your body. You can be the best at a proficiency at a weapon. You can understand exactly how it works and how the military works. But if your mind isn't sharp and you're not in it, you've already lost. You have to be sharp in the mind because the split-second decisions are the difference between life and death in a war zone. We're in a spiritual battle, and the weapons of our warfare are not carnal to the tearing down of strongholds. But rather, our, wep- our weapons, as Brother Branham would say, and I already quoted it once, but where our weapons in the armor of God is a supernatural armor. But really, one of the greatest weapons that we can possibly have is to have a sharp mind. And I want you to understand this for a moment, because Satan's desire is to corrupt our, the minds of the believers. 
in order to make it so we can't stay long enough to break through in prayer. Till after two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, we've just, our mind is off in something else. And we've got other things that we've been watching that's plaguing in on our mind. And we can't seem to break through. And different entertainments begin to break in. And they begin to, to overcome our desire for prayer. Because Brother Brown would say that thirst that was put within us, he'd call it in some places a holy hush. Something that was put within you to desire God, and God put that there to desire a fellowship with you. But if we, if we begin to, to crush that with all kinds of entertainments and otherworldly pleasures, pretty soon we can't focus enough to be able to get through to God. Right. Maybe this isn't exactly the way you thought a Sunday night should be. Some of these things, as much as I thought to go one way, and the Lord pushed me this direction, it came back into alignment with some burdens that are on my heart that I've been praying about and praying about. And let me just say it to you this way, and I hope this is okay. It would help so much with our children if we would wait on God in some situations to see what He wanted us to do talking to the parents here for a moment. I speech, preach a lot to young people, but let me preach to the parents for a minute. It would help a lot if we'd wait on God for our children. When our children have an attitude and we don't know how to handle it, when they're rebellious and they won't listen, did we wait on the Lord to see what his instructions were? I was reminded this afternoon as it was in my thoughts already this month of, of Job. Job chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. We'll talk about the kind of man that Job was. It says, And his sons went and feasted in their houses and every one his day and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and drink with them. If you just take that verse alone, it looks like a real nice family gathering. A nice little shindig. We're all just going to get together, have a little fun, have a, have a feast together. We've got the brothers, the sisters. What's wrong with this? In itself, nothing. But it says, and it was so that when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning. It doesn't even say that Job was invited. They didn't have Papa there to have fun with them. But it didn't say that he got offended. And he was hurt because his children didn't want to have a party with him. But he rose early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be. He didn't say, my children have sinned. It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their heart. And thus did Job continually. This was not a one-time occurrence. This was something he did continually on behalf of his children. Job was not getting, to, getting on his knees and praying before God, oh God, the children you gave me, they're horrible. 
They're doing all these things. They don't even include their daddy anymore. They don't want to be with me. No. He got on his knees and said, Lord, pre-adventure they've done anything wrong. He made sacrifices for them. They hadn't even backslid yet. Are you with me? They hadn't even sinned yet. They hadn't even gone astray yet. See, my children, Brother Andrew, they're wonderful. They never do anything wrong. If we're not careful, we get blindsided by backsliding. And we sit down and we wonder, what happened? How could this be? Maybe it's so-and-so's fault. Maybe it's somebody else's fault. Maybe it's somebody else's fault. To be honest with you, it's not their fault or their fault or their fault or your fault. But did you pray? Did you wait on God? Were you on their knees before the Lord that maybe now, parents, with young children, with teenagers, pray while they serve the Lord? Pray while they go to young people's. I, I implore you, when they're at young people's, pray for them. What kind of youth services would we have if parents were at home in their prayer closet saying, Lord, get a hold of my son. Get a hold of my daughter tonight. May this be the night. Pray for them when they're out for volleyball and out there with the young people and out driving their cars. Say, Lord, don't let them sin. Be with them, oh God. Cover them by the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't let them go astray. Don't let them keep wrong company. Pray for them. Young people, I'm sticking up for you right now. Let me say it this way, parents. This is just a burden on my heart. I trust it comes out all right. I'm not getting after anybody. I just... You've already laid out the law. I'm a parent. I know what it is. When they go to school, when they go with friends, you instruct them. Don't do this. Do that. Do this. You have certain standards you keep in the home, things that you feel is pleasing to what the Lord would be pleased with in your home. And, and you've laid that out, and I believe we've done those things prayerfully in our homes. But because we've done that, then we have a right to go to God. Right. Say, Lord, I've done everything that I can. Now it's up to you. What kind of a difference would it make if we could desperately pray before the Lord and earnestly pray, praying, God, I want my children to be saved. Amen. I don't even know if they've sinned. That's not what's important. What's important is, Lord, I want you to come and meet with them. Meet with them amongst their friends. May their conversation be holy. The Bible would even say in Psalms 123, this is the one, two, threes of prayer. It says, unto thee, Lord, I lift up mine eyes. It says, O thou that dwellest in the heaven, behold, as the eyes of servants look unto the hands of their masters. What are they looking for? Lord, just tell me what to do. He says, and as the, as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress, just motion for me, I'll go. So our eyes wait upon the Lord our God until he may have mercy upon us. Amen. Have mercy upon us, O God. Have mercy upon us, for we, have exceed, we, have been, we are exceedingly filled with contempt. And listen to this next verse. Our soul is exceedingly filled with scorning for those that are at ease and contempt of the proud. I wonder what kind of a difference it would make if your children come home 
And instead of finding mom and dad hiding in the dark corner saying, you're late from curfew. Instead, they heard a little crying from the living room saying, Lord, my children. I wonder what kind of an impact this would have. If instead of instant correction, you've already laid out the law, they know. But what if they came home and they seen mom and dad crying out to God for their souls? What a difference that would make. It's the prayers and the love of parents that will save children. That will move God on the scene. We have to be careful that our soul isn't filled with scorning. Oh, you just don't even care that we're in the end time. Don't you know the hour's late, son? Come on, smarten up! Instead of prayer and saying, God, you move on his behalf. He knows better. She knows better. But Lord, I've done all I can do. These things are good. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You can have the best preparation of the gospel of peace in your home. You can live a righteous life. You can have truth and know you're on the right side and know that you're doing what's right. But without prayer, you'll never be victorious. You'll find yourself fighting against your brother, your sister, your sons and your daughters. Parents, those children are the closest relatives you'll ever have. They're your seed. They're your offspring. Bring them to God. Maybe we can turn it now. <laughs> That's not what I wanted for Sunday night, Brother Andrew. We need to let the Lord have control of us. We need to sometimes relinquish control. We need to all the time, let me change that. We need to all the time relinquish our control. We try too hard, and I'm going to control this, and I'm going to control the church. I'm going to control my home. I'm going to control my wife. I'm going to control my children. But Lord, what if I have a relationship with God and allow him to be in control of me so it's not me anymore, but rather when I would speak, it'd be the Lord speaking through me, and it could be received by the Holy Ghost in my wife. It could, go, it could minister grace to my children. It could minister grace to my brother and my sister next to me. We wouldn't be found fighting within ourselves, but rather we'd be found lifting one another up, if not with words and in deeds, but in prayer before the Lord. Prayer brings you into the awareness of the supernatural that is needed to properly handle the Word of God. You need a prayer life to bring you in that kind of an awareness to say, Lord, how, what should I do with the word when the word of God says, and we, we quote it all the time, was quoted again this morning, the bride has the mind of God, he, she has the word, and she knows what he wants done with it. Why? Because she has relationship, because she's in prayer with him, and she has the awareness of the supernatural God to understand when he's moving and when he's not moving, to understand when he wants to speak and when he wants to be silent. Hallelujah. 
And it's often the one that gets forgotten about because it's so easy in our human flesh to get caught up and say, but I got the word. And pretty soon we're swinging a sword without recognizing where it's going and what the mind of the spirit is because we forgot to get into the spirit of revelation. Looking at the unseen, he says, the supernatural is what you do not see, but what you believe and act on as though it was. Let me say that again. The supernatural is not what you see. You do not see it, but it's what you believe and you act on it as though it was. Hallelujah. In other words, when you have a prayer relationship with God, you might make decisions in your home that everybody else in your home is saying, why are you doing this? I do not understand it. It does not seem to match the circumstances, but because you're looking to the supernatural God to move on your behalf, you need to allow him to undertake and come in behind it to wait patiently once you've performed the will of God so that you might receive the promise. Everything in the Christian armor is supernatural. We do not look at what we see. We look at what we do not see. You cannot be healed only through looking at what you do not see. Praise be to God. You cannot operate the supernatural of God by our sight. You can't operate the supernatural armor of God by feeling The contact for the unseen is through prayer. A live life. Your supernatural armor is operated by the prayer of faith. James 5 verse 15 and 16 says, The prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. In other words, it doesn't matter how sick they are whether they're able to walk into church and come to the front or whether they're in the hospital unable to move. The prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. Oh, can I get a louder amen than that? The prayer of faith shall save. Do we still believe this? That this is absolutely 100% the truth. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. Not will, maybe, hopefully, maybe one day. No, it shall save the sick. We believe the word of God is yea and amen. It's not an option. It is the life. It is the truth. It is the way. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He says, and if... And the Lord shall raise them. And if they have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Oh, here's even an extrapolation of what Job was doing. He's saying, I don't even know if they've sinned, Lord. But he says, if they have committed sins, the prayer of faith shall forgive them of their sins. Hallelujah. Then God takes it a step farther and says, and confess your faults one to another and get angry at each other and make sure they understand you're not happy with their faults. No. It says, and pray one for another that ye may be healed. Hallelujah. The the effectual, let me back up a minute. There's a point here that I, young people's will be this Friday because it's not going to be recorded or streamed because it'll be at our house now. The schedule's changed. I'll send that out this week. Young people's will be at my house this Friday. Won't be at the church anymore. There's a point I have on my heart to make 
in a way of holy conversation. What is holy conversation? And there's some things to consider in our conversation with the God and a conversation and communication. The New Testament talks about all of our social interactions, not just our conversation and talking, but our social life. I really have considered this very prayerfully and I know how the Lord has moved on my heart and there's four things that I like to consider when communicating. And, and as I begin to think on this, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. The first thing I always like to consider is what I'm saying as far as I know absolutely the truth. That's important. You want your communication to be holy as far as you know is what I'm saying the truth. The second thing is, am I saying it the right way? Let me give an example of that. If I, I give a couple of young brothers this example, is, as I've talked to a couple of young brothers about this, if I happened to walk out of my house this morning and I tripped over my own two feet and fell on the ground, I come to Brother Ed and I say, yeah, this morning I just, I, I don't know what happened, I just tripped and fell, but I got back up and I'm here. No big deal. See the way that sounds? Really not that big of a deal, right? Okay, why are you telling me this? It's really not important. But if I come to Brother Ed and I say, man, I'm such a klutz. I won't believe what I did this morning. I just come out of my house and it's like every day, man. I just trip and I fall and I have a klutz. Now all of a sudden he's thinking a totally different thought. What's wrong with Brother Andrew? He's a klutz. I said the same thing essentially. I tripped and fell. I didn't actually trip and fall this morning. Don't worry. I'm okay. But I'm saying, that I'm saying the same thing, but I'm saying it in a different way. You could reflect that into your brother. Confess your faults one to another. How are we saying it? Do I come to Brother Ed and say, Brother Ed, I, I, I just seen this brother. You know, could we pray for him? Seems he's really struggling. His sister's really struggling. Could we have a word of prayer for him? See, that creates an atmosphere. But if instead I come and say, you see Brother so-and-so? just can't get it together. And he's always making the same mistake over and over again. Now I've made it a totally different atmosphere right. in saying the same thing. What I'm saying is the truth, but I'm not saying it the right way. The third thing I always like to consider is, am I the right person to say it? That will do away with all gossip. Am I the right person to share this information? Or maybe that person should share it. And the fourth thing I always like to consider is, is what I'm about to say, is it pleasing to the Lord? Is the Holy Ghost, if Jesus was in the room, would I still say this? I say, Brother Andrew, you haven't been perfect in those four things. No, I'm human. But Lord, help me. We confess your faults one to another and pray one for another, that you may be healed. Because the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Effectual, fervent, if you take those two words together, it means this is an active work of faith. This is a prayer of faith bringing the word of God into action. As, as Brother Branham would talk about in the, in, the, 
in the exposition of the seven church ages, in the Patmos vision under the portion of talking about the sword of the, sword of the word coming from his mouth, he say, now Paul said in the word that the word come in power as well as voice. The word preached actually demonstrated itself. Hallelujah. A man didn't have to demonstrate it. The word preached demonstrated itself. Like a flaming cutting sword, it went to the consciences of man. Like a surgeon's knife, it cut out the disease and set captives free. Everywhere those early believers went, they went preaching the gospel. The word. And God confirmed that word with signs following. The sick were healed. The devils were cast out. They spoke in new tongues. That was the word in action. Hallelujah. That word has never failed in the mouths of believing Christians. I want to repeat that. That word has never failed in the mouths of believing Christians. Praise be to God. It says that in this last age, it is here stronger and greater than ever in the true word bride. In this last age, that word that they went in the first church age under a lion anointing, preaching the gospel, going into all the world and preach the gospel. It's still the same commission today, but now in this last days, it's here stronger and greater because we're living in the age of the fullness of the revelation of Jesus Christ, that it's all been revealed to us, that we could take it and we could have a life, a real uh, communication, a real fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That our prayers would bring the word of God into action. What man calls great, God calls foolish. Well, and this is from the message expectation. He says, what, what man calls foolish, God calls great. So what you've got to do is get back into the program of God and find out after all what God wants us to do. The only way I know to do it is prayer. Prayer is the key. That's the answer. Prayer changes things. Prayer is the most powerful weapon that was ever put in the control of human beings. <laughs> Hallelujah. Prayer is the most powerful weapon that was put in your control. You've got the big red button. Amen. It's bigger than Trump's big red button. It's bigger than now George Biden, if he can find it. It's bigger than his. It's bigger than any red button. Why? Because it's prayer. It's the strongest weapon that has ever been given into the control of human beings. Amen. Praise be to God. You can say, oh, but I thought the word was the strongest. I thought faith. If we just speak it, if we just have faith in the mountains, we just have love. Without love, I'm nothing. What about righteousness? What about all these things? But the effectiveness of your righteousness, the effectiveness of the love of God, the effectiveness of the word, the effectiveness of, uh, of your faith is based on your prayer. He says there's no atomic bomb, there's no hydrogen bomb as powerful as prayer. Prayer will change the mind of God. Did you know that? It did one time. Oh my, when we talk about King Hezekiah, as he was given a year, you're going to die, your day's over. He turned around and faced the wall and prayed. There was no medicine that could give him that 15 more years. But there was prayer. Oh, praise be to God. When the church comes under the blood of Jesus Christ with the token of the Holy Spirit upon them, then you're going to see a brotherhood again. This is the message part in 1963. He says, you're going to see a church full of power. You're going to. We're here. He says, God hates a powerless religion. 
It's got to be power, certainly. It's a power that can save man from sin. It's a power that can do signs and wonders and miracles as Jesus Christ promised. He says, they, those in the beginning, here he is right now turning the faith of the children back to the faith of the Pentecostal fathers. He says, what was it? They zeroed in on the word of God back there and believed it and they hit the target. If you zero the same way back to the word of God, it'll hit the target again. It's got to because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. How do I zero in on that? Get into the spirit of revelation by praying and God will give you the revelation to zero in on exactly what you have need of. Oh, God doesn't like powerless religion. God does not want that. This is next statement. God wants to perform. God wants to show himself alive. Think about that for a moment. God has given you his word. He's built it up in such a way. He's built your life. He's built everything that we have. But he's looking at it. He says, I want to perform this in your life. I want to be the, the God in Morphe again. I want to be in my temple again. Know you not that your body is a temple of the Lord? He says, I want to perform it again. If you'll just relinquish control and give me full control, I want to be alive and show myself this way. Daniel went in, thank you Brother Max for this quote, Daniel went in without any uncertainty into the den of lions. God is able to deliver me from the lions. They threw him in the lion's den and he says, and I believe when them lions started up there, looked at him, there stood a halo of fire around Daniel. God hates a powerless religion. But there stood a halo of fire around Daniel. Any animal scared of fire, you know that. Those lines backed off. He says, what was it? It was the hidden power that was in Daniel's heart came out and clothed him all over. Oh, praise be to God. Just like at Dothan that day when Gehazi looked down and saw what was around Elijah. Angels of fire, chariots of fire. There that hidden power was around Daniel. Oh, we love to rejoice over that. And that's wonderful. And that's a beautiful thing. But I want to notice something. This was a man that prayed three times a day. This was a man that was thrown into the lion's den because he prayed. This was a man that had a relationship with God that he knew, you can put me in the lion's den or you can put me on a flowery bed of ease. God is with me. Because David already wrote and said, though I make my bed in hell, you are there with me. If I make my bed in heaven, you're there with me wherever I am because I have a relationship with God. I know what it is. I've been in the presence of the Lord. Don't you know what it's like to be in the presence of the king? Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. He knew that God was able to keep him because he knew that this was not a Sunday morning revival, God. He knew this was an everyday relationship. He'd been with Jesus over and over and over and over again. Hallelujah, you say he's been with Jesus? Yeah, because Brother Branham says when Jesus came down to let the saints of the Old Testament out, they recognized him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Daniel got up and said, that's the rock that was hewn out of the mountain. <laughs> Praise be to God. He'd been with Jesus. He wasn't keeping his religion. His religion was keeping him. Because God hates a powerless religion. That's what kept Jonah in the belly of the fish. 
The same power that created such a holy atmosphere that it shut the mouths of lions. It's the same power that kept the smell of smoke off the clothes of the three Hebrew children. It's the same power that caused Samson to carry away the gates of Gaza. It's the same power that created an atmosphere around Jonah in the belly of a fish that he knew exactly which direction to turn to face towards the temple. Oh my, as he prayed, he said, Lord, I'll face towards it. How did he know which way the temple was? But because there was a power inside of him that had come into the outside and created him an atmosphere that he could live in at the bottom of the sea. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God hates a powerless religion. That no matter what we have need of, Jonah knew what it was to touch God. Brother Branham says he always gets a bad rap. I always want to call him the backslidden prophet and all these things. But no, he was just like you and I. A man subject to like passions like you and I were. He was a man like us. We're full of mistakes. We try to walk. God shows us one thing and we try to take a vacation out the other direction. Trying to get away from what God's trying to do. Because we're human. It's the humanity side of it. But that's the way it is. But even in that, God says, I'm still with you. Even in you to the end of the world. Praise be to God if you're willing to just look up and pray. The same power that told Ananias, go pray for that guy that's been persecuting you. And at the same time, Saul was having a vision of Ananias coming to pray for him. Same one that met him on the road to Damascus, met him in the room and said, there's one coming to pray to open your eyes. Shortest case of blindness ever recorded. Hallelujah. The same power that told William Branham one day, how many squirrels you need? The same one that said, how many squirrels you need this time? The same one that walked with him after calming the storm, and he sat there, and there stood me like a young girl again, and him in a yucky young man, and oh my, it was the same power. But it's the same power that's inside of you and me. It's the same power that's in the church in this day and age. It's the Holy Ghost and fire. That right in your darkest hour that it's Christ that desires to come from the inside and perform his word for you. If we're just willing to relinquish control. We're always trying to do it ourselves. I always go back, it's stuck with me. Brother Ed said it years ago. One of the greatest insults you can ever give to God, to an all-knowing God, is say, I got this. That stuck with me. One of the greatest insults you could ever say to an all-knowing God that knows everything. Omnipotent, omnipresent. Say, no, I got this. I don't need you. He's got this. We're trying to control our own lives. How are we going to make it, Brother Andrew? I'm just doing the best I can. I give you one better. Do the best he can. You'll never fail then. Just stay in touch with him. Did you wake up early in the morning? I struggle with that. Getting up early and praying. I like to, but I struggle with it. That's my humanity. He said, that's the way he does. Just about the time it gets to the very darkest hour, then Jesus comes along. He says, we fret and worry, we Christians 
and the baby gets sick and something happens and somebody don't show up and we just get so nervous and upset, we should just sit quiet. He's the one who commanded it. He's the one who commanded the baby get sick. That's what Brother Banham's saying here. He allowed the devil to do that. Oh, rejoice in your trials. Because God looked at you and said, he can take it. Because God looked at you, sister, and said, you could take it. Go ahead, devil. You could touch that. You could touch that. Let their baby get sick. They won't worry. They're not going to fret. They're going to sit quiet. We're living under his, under his dispensation. Living under his grace. Just sat still. He'll be along after a while. Don't worry. He says he'll open up a healing service somewhere. Praise God. We're thankful for those. Or you get guided and somebody who prays, somebody who prays for the sick will come by when you got sickness. Praise the Lord. We're thankful for gifts of healing. But he says if not, he'll just put it upon your heart so bad that you'll just kneel down in the room and ask him about it yourself. That's right. So just remember, he works all things together for the good to them that are called according to his purpose, to them that love the Lord. Hallelujah. He's working all things together for your good. I'm just waiting for a, a special brother, a special this, a special that. Maybe God's trying to put it on your heart. So bad till you finally just get down and broken on your knees and say, oh God, woe is me. I felt that way a lot this last couple months. Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among people of unclean lips. Can I have a bit more time? We know Brother Brennan would talk about in the message, the contest, we're living in the astronaut age. About the last 100 years or 150 years, we come from horse and buggy, automobile, airplane, going into space, and even till now, they got commercial aerospace travel. Our lovely United States of America has a space force. Let me say this and take this spiritually. You'll only fly as high as your revelation. In a day like today, when we're living in the fullness of the revelation of Jesus Christ available to the church, there's enough revelation to propel you into the heavenlies. Far beyond all the distractions of the world. Sometimes we get too bogged down here. Forgive me for saying it this way, but trying to make sense of it all. When you're living under an eagle anointing. And God's given you enough revelation to rise above it. The lion anointing was good, but the lion couldn't see the forest for the trees. He could only see so far. The ox anointing was good, but he couldn't see the metal for the fence. Where the fence stopped, that's where he stopped. The man anointing was good, but he couldn't see the city for the buildings. He got so caught up in what he was doing. But now we're in an eagle anointing. 
that can rise up above all those things and look down and see the city for what it was meant to be. Look and see the whole forest, not just one tree. Look and see the whole pasture, the whole meadow, and see all of it and recognize. God, it's not just a little bit here and a little bit there. Those were all trues and trues and trues, but it's all there. It's all a part of the economy of God. When an astronaut gets into space and he turns back and looks back at the world, he doesn't see the pollution and all the sin. I was minded of something a, a man said. He's, he's kind of reached a place of um, social media fame, I'll say. And uh, I'm not a huge fan of him, but his name's Tyson DeGrasse or something like that. And he's a, he's a science guy, and he likes to talk about different things. But he said something the other day that really got me. He said, what happened when men went to the moon? What did we get out of that? Was it just a bag full of rocks? He said, but what happened when man got to the moon? They turned around and looked at the earth and said, it's worth saving. It changed their perspective. I begin to think about that from an eagle anointing perspective. When you raise up high enough, you begin to see things that are worth saving. When you get high enough in Christ, you don't see the horrors of sin upon the lives of the sinners, but you see the beauty of a soul that's worth saving and set free. You don't see the mistakes and the struggles of your brother but you see the beauty of a confession of Christ in his life. Oh God, take us higher. Right into the heart of God. But to get high enough, you need something to guide you. To keep you straight so you don't crash. And you don't get mixed up in your revelation. Say, well, the Holy Ghost is my guide. That's what Jesus said, and that's good enough for me. Yes, absolutely, the Holy Ghost is your guide, but you need to be in constant communication with him. Brother Brennan would talk often about the control room in our hearts, that in that room, in that control room, it's either God or Satan. One or the other is controlling you. You can go so far in the world, you can go so far in this or that, but in the control room, in the inside of the inside of the inside, there's a little something in there that is either God or it's Satan. And we look at different men. We could look at Judas who raised so high up in the ministry of the 12 disciples. He became the treasurer there and he became all of these things and he cast out devils and he did many mighty works. But he never had God in that control tower. He got so mixed up in his revelation till he thought if I could just get Jesus and into the hands of, of and betray him, he'll be forced to set up his kingdom. He tried to get up high enough without revelation, without a relationship with Christ. He didn't wait for what God was doing. He didn't wait for the upper room experience. He tried to push ahead of that. And what did it end up with? The son of perdition. Brother Branham would say transform. We ought to be transformed from a church and the world into sons and daughters of God. And now as the wandering, now how the wandering sons of God, wandering out there in the world, some of them and his denominations from two, from denomination to denomination, like wandering stars, never stable, like leaf on the water in autumn. We used to see it, oh, Leo, back there in the east, the leaves would blow down and everything. He says, but God wants us to be stable. To be anchored in Jesus, the storms of life I'll brave. Anchored in Jesus, I'll fear no wind or wave. See, whatever it is, whatever comes, if you're anchored in Jesus. 
The spiritual astronaut is controlled by a unit, the unit of prayer. That controls the spiritual astronaut, keeps him lined up. God had a little unit setting on earth one time when his first astronaut, Jesus Christ, was here. And you know, one little touch of faith stopped him and he answered him back. Prayer changes things. It changes the positions by prayer that can control. That's a powerful statement. It changes positions by prayer that can control. How do I get God to turn my direction? Prayer. Brother Brandon was asked the question one time. I, I skipped over it, but Brother Brandon was asked the question. He says, does he, the Holy Ghost, at all times have control over the Spirit as to when and how to act? Brother Brandon says, yes, sir, yes, sir. The Holy Spirit controls. Yes, sir, it has control of you, and you have control of it. There's a unit of prayer that reaches out and changes the heart of God right to your need, right to where you're at. Bear with me, I'm trying to get through to something. Let me get this too. Remember, he talked about how the astronaut was controlled by radar power. He says, we got radar power too. Prayer is the radar power that directs the astronaut. Ask the Father anything in my name and I'll do it. Just watch the way the prayer's going. You'll see which way he's pointing. Well, Brother Brown would instruct us how to pray. Pray neutral. But watch the way the prayer's going and you'll see which way he's pointing. He's got his ship directed in this direction. Lord, I want this. Lord, I want this. Watch the way. Amen. Just watch the way the church is praying and you see which way the missiles will fly. Lord, help us. That we don't direct missiles at our brothers and sisters. Forgive me if I could say this, but you heard the brother, Brad, brother Ed speaking this morning. Pressures in the message of things that have gone on, and this is the Holy Ghost, and that's the Holy Ghost. Lord, help us never to pray in such a way that we're directing missiles. They don't have it, and they don't have it, and they don't have it. No. Lord, help me to have it. He says, listen. But when all things are possible, Lord, pour out your spirit upon the church and give it what they have need of. Pour upon us the Holy Ghost and, and take us out of every reason to believe that the word's right and we're going to stand right by it. Watch the screen then begin to raise its head like this and the astronaut's going on and on and on way up in the air. The more you're able to pray and allow God to have control, and him pour his spirit and revelation into you, the higher and higher and higher you'll go. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. We'll go here. I think we'll close with this. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. It says, likewise. Let's start in verse 25. It says, for if we hope for that we see not, then, we do wait, then do we 
with patience, wait for it. When you're looking to the unseen, wait with patience. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. But he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for all saints according to the will of God. The Spirit of God being so in control that it can take over your prayer life. So it's no longer you praying in this direction or you praying in that direction, but it's getting into the very spirit of revelation and allowing him to pray through you words that you didn't even know what to pray. You didn't understand. I don't know how many times I've had to look. I think any minister has has looked up scriptures and found things and gone to say, Lord, I don't know. I don't know how to put this with that. I don't know where to go from here. I don't understand. You put this little statement on my heart. Where do I go from here? I trust it's the same for you, brother or sister, tonight. You can look at it and say, Lord, I don't understand, but I want to go to the heart of God and say, Lord, you lead me. You guide me. Let your spirit raise in me and give me the right direction and be my radar tonight. Amen. The power of God within you can begin to pray through you and make intercessions for the saints according to his own will. Amen. According to his will, not according to our will, not according as we would have, but Lord, that he would make intercession through us. God needs intercessors. God needs parents to be intercessors. God needs young people to be intercessors. God needs ministers to be intercessors. God needs deacons to be intercessors. To be a people that are willing to get ourselves out of the way and out of control. I'm not saying we're spinning out of control, but to say it's not in our control any longer. It's in God's control. Amen. Till the burden begins to overtake us that words cannot even articulate the thoughts of the Spirit. And it just becomes non-utterable groanings. That word there means when the frailty of our flesh is incapable of calling on God through our infirmities. When the, in, when the frailty of our flesh is incapable. We can't break through enough. We can't seem to reach out to God. But there's a spirit within you. That is the Holy Spirit. Oh, if we just recognize when we're praying, brother or sister, we're not praying out to some God out yonder. Because it even goes beyond that. When the frailty of our flesh is incapable of calling on God, the Spirit of God and our spirit becomes an internal fellowship, an internal worship, an internal supplication. Groanings that cannot be uttered. A sighing, something going on on the inside that's just so good, so perfect, so pure. That the spirit within our, within our, in our spirit becomes in, in an eternal fellowship, a continual state of intercession. You say, where are you getting this from, Brother Andrew? I just started to look up the Greek words in these different scriptures, what they all mean, and begin to put it together. As, Brother, as, as the scripture begins to talk about it, when our flesh is too frail, his spirit takes control. and begins to have fellowship with our spirit beyond our flesh do you want to know what that's called it's one word meditation 
That's where the scripture is fulfilled in 1 Thessalonians 5. Pray without ceasing. Not that we're always on our knees with our hands raised calling out on God, but a continual intercession within ourselves. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. You see, when you go to praying for somebody, something goes to taking place. That's the message, who is Jesus, 1964. There is where we fail, friends, not praying. Prayer is the keynote. Keynote means a central theme or a prevailing tone. Prayer is the central theme of the Christian life. Prayer is the prevailing tone of your life. Whether your tone is soft or strong or loud or quiet, it's determined through prayer. One thing we cannot do too much is pray. The Bible says in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, it says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. That's setting a tone. The very next verse, it talks about this. In like manner also, the women adorn themselves in modest apparel and chavasonness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which become with a woman professing godliness with good works. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach her to usurp authority over a man, but be in silence, for Adam was first formed, then Eve. See, read that really fast, but yes, for a purpose, because I'm just showing you, it began to talk about a tone of a life. The way a life is lived, how a woman ought to be. But it started out that whole scripture with, I would that men everywhere set the tone through prayer. Lord, help us. The musicians will come. It's detailing a tone. The Brenham says, we're thankful that you're here this afternoon. Feel that somehow we just can't get enough of God. There's something about the gospel, about the word of God, that we just simply can't get enough of it. I believe you could, you could eat too much, you could drink too much. You could even drink too much good cold water, it'd make you sick. I don't believe that a man would ever pray too much or get too much of the love of God in his heart. That's just one thing that just doesn't seem to ever get enough, Philip. And I'm taught that when we eat, we're used to eating small portions, and our stomach just shrinks to that portion. But if we eat much, our stomach stretches to that. Amen, brothers? All right. 
but I think we need some good spiritual stretching and get much of the word and can't be satisfied with just a little reading of a verse once in a while or something on that manner, but stretching our spiritual gastronomics. Lord, help us. I, I, I just, maybe this is a strange way to close the service, but I get worried when we, we talk about it and go, oh, after 45 minutes, I've had enough. An hour, I've had enough. Half an hour, I just, I'm filled up. You need some stretching. Not just on Sunday. Not just on Wednesday. What are you doing Monday? Are you listening to the message? Are you spending time in prayer? Are you getting alone with God? Are you stretching out? I was listening this morning to Literal Life Church, their song service, and Brother Gideon had made some statements about loosening his belt up because it was American Thanksgiving. And my wife reminded me I've made embarrassing statements like that before. And then Brother Ed preached and said, the Lord knows how to keep you humble. So God knows how to keep me humble. But in all these things, as he began to speak about this, I begin to think about it in spiritual gastronomics. And, you know, if you don't eat very much all year and you come to Thanksgiving dinner, Christmas dinner as we're coming up to that, and they make turkey and stuffing and all these things, and after one plate, you're just full. And you're looking at these other people. There are two plates, three plates. Like, Man, I wish I could eat that much. But they can eat that much because they've always ate that much. It's not just on Christmas Day and Thanksgiving Day that they ate that much. That's kind of embarrassing. Right? Are you really going to say that? But that's the truth. If you eat like a bird all year long and come down to Christmas and now you got the great big meal and everything's wonderful, everybody's there and I'm just, I'm full. I can't even eat that very much. I had a plate and now I'm stuffed. It's that way. If you don't eat all week and you haven't been in the Word and you haven't been in prayer and you haven't, and then you come to Sunday morning, the pastor gets the first 15 minutes, I'm done. Praise God, brother. You might as well close the service. I done clocked out. Lord, help us to be in the Word, to have a real relationship with Him, that the spiritual gastronomics begin to stretch our spiritual diet till we can sit there hour, the brother man says, after hour, after hour, and begin to allow the Lord to minister to us and to bathe in His Word. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Prayer is the keynote. Watch you, therefore, and pray always. The Bible says, Luke 21, 36, that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Maybe it's not a rejoicing Sunday night service, but I believe it's what we need. It's what I needed to. I need to pray more. Surely I can do better. Would you reel in and raise your hand and say, Lord, I, I can do better. I can pray more. I could get myself more aside to God. I've put them aside too many times. Lord, prepare me. Maybe we could sing that, that song. And it's a newer song. I want more. I want more. Do you know what it's like to be in the presence of the Lord? Do you know that? A little bit. He knows it really well, too. His voice is gone. Okay. Amen. He came in voice and in demonstration. He don't got the voice. Amen.
I know what it's like to be in the presence of the Lord and not know what time it is because time stood still. You know what that's like? Bodies. When he puts it that heavy on your heart, till you just break through on your own and say, Lord, you're my healer. Restore. Because we stay here in the presence of the Lord. Oh, praise God. Couldn't even make a sound. But I'd give up everything for this treasure. That's the way it is. When you get in His presence, well, on its end. So I say stay, I don't want you to go, cause my heart is burning in your presence, Lord. together I wonder with every head bowed and every eye closed 
you wouldn't be just wondering that right now. Lord, there's something in my heart that's just burning. I need a closer walk with you. I've neglected my, the main thing. I've neglected my prayer life. I've been taking your promises. I've been standing strong on this. I've been trying to live a right kind of life. I've been trying to go the right places. And I've been trying to put on the supernatural armor of God. But Lord, I've neglected the main thing. I've forgotten about that last armor. I didn't put it on. I've been wondering why I've been going around in a circle, around in a circle, because I've never broken through and really got through and touched the heart of God. Maybe tonight you just need to make it known to him. I wasn't planning on doing this, but maybe you need to come to an altar tonight. Maybe you need to just lay aside everything else and say, Lord, I, I just need to break through. I just need to touch you tonight. I got things in my life. I got questions. I got decisions. I got things that are burning. I don't understand, but Lord, I need to touch you. Maybe this is the time. Maybe this is the hour. You can do it in your seat. You can come to an altar. We're going to sing this again. I want more, Lord. I want more. I know what it's like to be in the presence of Lord and not know what time it is cause time stood still and bodies were here And families restored because we stayed here in the presence of the Lord. No one had to say. I never wanted to end. Oh, so I say stay Where else to go? Cause my heart is burning In your presence, oh Oh, I want 
my heart 